Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. I love of Indiana, his manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Hello, Hopalong Cassidy. <laughs> it is very apt. I, uh, it's it's hop along and crutch along. That's what it is right now. I, I've got a whole different setup now. My foot is still elevated while we do this. Uh, it's not been a fun, let's just call it eight days. That's what it's been since I broke it. I mean, you're a, you're an active dude, despite the fact that you're often sitting in your backyard smoking cigars you're also often walking around your neighborhood smoking cigars yeah bouncing around your house preparing food whatever chatting on the phone how how are you mentally and emotionally dealing with being so restricted in your movements i'm freaking the fuck out like i mean that's <laughs> that's the truth I, I i do not like this i do not holly has been here and been a godsend and she has yes. like taken care of everything but like just getting from point A to point B. And when I mean point A to point B, I'm talking like nine feet difference between point A and point B. It's just sure. difficult. And like moving my computer from one point to another is a difficult proposition because of the crutches. And I can't put any weight on it. Let, real quick, I broke my foot. For those of you who don't know, I broke my foot eight days ago, saving um, a, like a litter of kittens from yes, sure Sir death from a wood chipper. It was a wood chipper. <laughs> and kittens and i had to jump in the i fell off my my back porch that's what happened uh for yeah i mean this is the, the the fourth time we all have seen this coming for many months it was just a matter of time till you you required surgery because you were in your yard and this was the time and it happened and you know look i've been you've been on my mind ever ever since it happened because you know your dear friend is is in pain and is is going to be dealing with the ramifications of his own klutziness for months and months to come but last night uh i come back from acting class they they'd done this scene tennessee williams cat on a hot tin roof and i realized i've never seen that classic paul newman elizabeth taylor movie so i, I watch it last night everybody else is asleep and there's paul newman like champion of champions with a broken foot, broken leg. And go. and the whole movie, Brick, is on one crutch, like moving himself around the house with all this family drama, just drinking himself to death. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I at least with cigars, Eric's it's gonna be a lot slower. Um, but but I do feel bad for you, buddy. And as you know, whenever Holly has to tap out, I'm yes. here for you. Well, that could she might tap out permanently. 
Like, who knows? <laughs> I mean, this is not fun. Uh, I also, by the way, it's quite common that when people see or think of Paul Newman, they think of me. That, of course. That of course. Him, that's just, I've been confused for him for years. It's just like my the, cross to bear. My cross the, to bear. The blue eyes, the salad dressing, it all lines the up. The full head of hair, you know, just <laughs> all of that. So um, I, I do want to say, you know, I went in for surgery on Monday. So we're releasing this on Wednesday. I went in for surgery on Monday. And a couple comical things have happened uh, along the way that I just want to touch on. Um, the first, I would say real comical thing was when the, um, anesthesiologist came into the room, Mm -hmm. I had the IV already in and he came in and he goes, all right, it's, it's time to go. Uh, he's, he's like, I'm going to put in a sedative now. I'm like, is that what's going to knock me out? And he said, no, but you won't remember anything after this. And I'm like, what is he talking about? And I remember looking at the wall and there was a clock. 134 was blinking. 134, 134. And I just was like burning it into my head. Remember that. 134 PM. And I go, oh, I go, what are you uh what what's the stuff that knocks me out? And he goes, Oh, that's the Michael Jackson stuff. And I go, what are you <laughs> talking about? <laughs> I'm like, you got to get a better example. The stuff that killed him. Yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, but it is a hell of a drug. He's like, he's like, and, and Ward, that's the last conversation I had. Oh, that, oh. that is the last cogent memory I have is him saying the Michael Jackson stuff. <laughs> he's saying the stuff that killed him him laughing <laughs> and then i am in a weird world i do yeah. remember wheeling out a little bit mm -hmm. but the next thing i really remember i do kind of remember being in the surgical room and stuff being put on me but not really and then i just remember somebody screaming my name and i wake up and i'm staring at the blinking clock three zero zero three p.m three crazy well, this this I I don't know if you've heard this story real quick, but uh, this was maybe seven years ago, and I'm in my kitchen, and I've got two frozen turkey burger burger patties, okay. and I'm like, the like they've welded these together. They use super glue, so of course I got the biggest butcher knife in the house sure. and I'm holding it in my right hand and using oh, the knife, geez. jamming it with my left hand. It slips off, slides right into the side of my hand and suddenly I can't feel my pinky anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, it, sure. It just, I severed the nerve, yeah. cut it Major right trauma. The so this leads to the only surgery I've had to have where I went under. And I remember like, I, I, I it suddenly came flooding back to me as you were describing your situation because the anesthesiologist comes in for mine and he goes, okay, yeah, here I'm about to give you the good stuff. And I was like, oh yeah? He goes, yeah. I'm like, well, what's so good about it? And then I just see him start injecting it into me. And I just felt euphoric gone. And then I was gone. I just remember this giddiness overtaking me. And the next thing I remember, it's all black. And this is what I hear. Beep. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. 
I was flatlining. So right. the next next thing I hear with the flatlining is Annie going, help, help, somebody help. And like, you know what it's like? It's like you're you're pulling yourself out of like a, a three tons of darkness just sitting on your brain and, and face and chest. What's going on? And, 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 and my eyes open to see Annie like running beyond the curtain to get help. And a nurse comes in and is like, it, it just, the monitor just slipped off. Yeah. It would be quite a story if you were flatlining from pinky surgery. Um, wow, that is that is frightening. I wish I had the euphoria to talk about. Oh, it was great. I don't remember that. I remember coming to them yelling at me, and then I just remember saying, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. And and then I kind of remember being wheeled into Holly's car. Mm -hmm. And then I don't remember a lot uh, of what of what happened next. Cut to, um, I'm going to move forward a little bit. About 24 hours later, I get a text from Evan Martin, our good friend at Community Cars, the place that we are powered by. CommunityCars.com, sponsor of the Pod you like that organic way of slipping it in? That was good. That was good. So Evan Martin, we'll talk about community cars in a little bit here because we've got some good news to announce with them and big news that, that, that could make a lot of you in the Bloomington area happy. Um, he texts me and he says, hey, loved your, your pre-op and post-op videos. And I had done a, a pre-op video from the bed that I remember. And I'm like, oh, I, I, I didn't really know. I was kind of groggy still and didn't know what he was talking about. I go, oh, great. Thanks. And he goes, by the way, I, I've been under uh, a couple times. And, and I remember like being really hungry when I came out. So I totally understand your hankering for matzo ball soup. And I go, I'm like, what is he? I did have matzo ball soup when I came home yesterday. But how the hell does he know that? There's no, how would he know that I had matzo ball soup? Did he talk to Holly? I'm not like promoting that I had matzo ball soup. So I texted him. I go, hey, how did you know I had matzo ball soup? And he goes, the video that you posted after the surgery. What? <laughs> what video are you talking about? He goes, Eric, you posted a video post-surgery. I go on Twitter. I look at this video of me in the backseat of Holly's car recording a video where I, I, I'm clearly like out of it. And yeah. I am talking about matzo ball soup and plugging NIL, by the way, I should yeah. mention that. I was like, the man is a machine. <laughs> I, I, was like, I was so impressed. Ward, I have no memory of this happening. <laughs> Zero. I was shocked that watching yourself do something that you have no idea that you did is the closest thing that I think I will come to like having a clone out there. Sure. Yeah. Right. Who did, who did that? And why is he in my body? It, it was not me. Like there, it is an existential issue here because I have zero recollection of it. And it happened yesterday or two see, days ago. See, but this is how you, this is now how you understand what my whole college experience was like. <laughs> I woke up every morning and thank God there weren't video phones. Right. There. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, but like it, but it was so you. It was just like a drugged up version of you. And look, I I was sort of waiting to hear how it went and check in. But the first notification I got that you were out and it was success was that video tweet was sent to me by Mike Lewis and you. He sent it to both of us. So I I guess maybe you missed that because oh, I that didn't was see that from him. It was I, like I an hour after. Yeah, it was like within an hour after you posted it, and it was just the video. And below it, he goes, "Drugs are bad, kids." And then, <laughs> and then my response was like, "How can you watch this video and not say drugs are oh. great?" So I saw that text come in from you as a notification that uh -huh. said, how can you say drugs? I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know what he's talking about, but it's <laughs> Ward promoting the benefits of drugs. <laughs> nothing new, nothing new. I just chalked it up to, it's just a regular Monday. And, and, and I was so out of it. I did not go back to like, check out where the, the context was. Yeah. So so that, I mean, it, it is just a um, scary situation, truthfully. So Monday afternoon, I was okay. I ate. There was some pain, but not bad. They gave me some pain medication there, uh, a, like a half dose. And they gave me Percocet, which at least that's what they said they were giving me. Mm -hmm. And they said that Percocet is oxycodone mixed with something else. And I don't know what the something else is. I think heroin. But well, I'm not well, from, sure. From the way you describe it, which you're probably about to do, I think it might be psilocybin. <laughs> it might be psilocybin. So I took I did I've never taken pain medication before. I I've, I've taken ibuprofen and stuff, but never like hardcore pain medication. And I didn't want to. But the doctors were really on me, and they told Holly before we left. They're like, they kept saying the same phrase: "Don't chase the pain." Don't chase the pain, which I was like, is that some drug language? Like, like, you know, <laughs> chase the tiger the or something. Yeah. yeah. Chase the dragon. Right. Like, yeah. I'm like, what are they talking about? But they're like, if you wait for the pain, it's too late. You know, Stay and you're going to have tremendous pain from this. So don't chase it. I'm like, all right. So I try to sleep. Sleeping is very difficult. Around 5.45 a.m. I got to go to the bathroom. I get up. I get on the crutches. I go to the bathroom. I come back. And I'm like, I'm going to pop one of these things. So I take a Percocet. It does not say Percocet on the bottle. It says oxycodone. Uh, okay. So I take it at 5.47 a.m. I can't tell you exactly when, but the next thing that happened that I remember is I was battling a herd of goats in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the next thing and these goats were coming at me hard <laughs> and i was battling them and what, like what were like were you punching kicking them yeah 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 i had a stick of some kind that i was <laughs> i was just trying to fend off an army of goats attacking me you were like a, a mormon shepherd who that you, your herd had turned against you yeah a mormon shepherd meant meets rambo <laughs> And the goats were like, you know, ex-Russian KGB officers, you know, and and it was totally screwing me up. Like, and I'm like, I, this, I don't know what's happening, but it was real. It was like a real experience. And then I popped awake and my eyes opened and I felt like I was going to vomit everywhere. Mm. So I'm like, Holly, and she brings a bowl 
And then I look over and the clock, it was only like 6.02 a.m. And I'm like, what is happening? And I'm like, I got to go back to sleep. So I closed my eyes. And then Ward, what felt like an infinite sequence of weird experiences where I was in many cases battling something. Mm -hmm. I, there was a turkey in my bedroom, a large turkey. We, you, you, you'd mentioned large. I was wondering for scale, like how large? Bigger than me. Okay, good. The turkey <laughs> was was like six foot seven. It was like Race Thompson is a turkey. Okay. Does he have eligibility? <laughs> yeah. And he was staring at me at the foot of my bed. And I just remember looking at him and and then he attacked me. He attacked me and I couldn't get out of my bed to attack back. <laughs> but Ward, there was, I don't remember many of them. And what's funny is I would wake up and look at the clock and it, like a half hour had passed or an hour had passed. And I, I, I have never felt this sick in my life. It was mm. awful. I was sweating. I, at, at some point, I thought maybe I had a, a staph infection. Oh, geez. But then I remember Holly was like, this is the pain medication. You took it on an empty stomach. You're something's ah. wrong with you. And then she does. She does like to remind me. She's like, you are susceptible to drugs. She's like, remember that time you took a half Ambien and you were asleep for four days? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. So that all happened the, for the, like the turkey. Because like, I, I want to go Freudian on this. Yeah, topic. sure. Have you, and this is a serious question. Have you already started thinking about Thanksgiving? Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm just, you know, where, where are these, where are these images springing well, up? And then I the don't... one that takes no, no effort to figure out is one of the battles I had was with a, um, monsoon of tobacco leaves falling from the sky, engulfing me. <laughs> and I had to fight my way through them. And they each were like, do you remember in, I think it was Superman 2, when he takes the S off and it's like a plastic shield that he throws and it encompasses one of the bad guys? Yep. That's what the tobacco leaves felt like when they hit me. They were like wrapping themselves around me. Now, is this making you like think about your relationship with tobacco or are you just passing it off as a drug-induced nightmare? Well, one of the things, it's funny you mentioned that, one of the things I was looking forward to in recovery was just sitting out back and smoking cigars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have not had a cigar since Sunday. Wow. And, and yesterday, that whole run of events that I experienced was about six hours. Around 12 o'clock noon, I started to come out of it. And that was the experience, but I have not had a cigar yet. I'm thinking about doing one after this podcast, sure. but it has been a little bit like when I think about those experiences, even doing this now, I'm getting nauseous again, thinking about it. Mm. So mm. I don't want to equate nausea with oh, cigars. It's like a clockwork orange. Yes. <laughs> that That's a good, a clockwork orange, clockwork orange. And how I have heard people talk about acid trips is is what I felt like I was experiencing. Now, I didn't meet any little green men or gray men that control the universe. I did Dwarf, not become goblins. a mushroom, uh -huh. you know? I, yeah. I did not talk to the other mushrooms through the was, mushroom network. Was there a comforting maternal voice through nope. any of this? No, nope, no, nope. nothing was comforting, <laughs> nothing. 
And I do remember in a couple of my um, awake moments, really being angry at you. <laughs> what did I do? Let me explain. Let me explain. Because in our um, relationship, yeah, which goes back a while now, look, there's a yin and a yang to who you are and who I am. Mm -hmm. I am a guy. Now, we both don't drink, but we both don't drink for very different reasons. Yes. Okay. But you are an advocate for many of the virtues of illicit drug use. <laughs> well, is that fair? Two, two, one, which is no longer illicit where I live, and the other one, which is gaining more and more acceptance worldwide for a bevy of medical conditions. Yeah, yeah but it is an illegal drug. And everywhere. both grow out of the earth. Both are absolutely natural. Total, I, I get it. But in like our tobacco. relationship- Like tobacco. Like tobacco, it's so true. Also like petroleum, but we don't smoke petroleum. Oh, there's a lot more processing with petroleum. <laughs> um, the point is that you are the guy who has told me about the benefits of weed and edibles and acid and but, you know that kind of stuff. But not oxycodone. Not oxycodone. <laughs> but I group it all together and I was like, Fuck Ward for actually <laughs> liking this stuff. How is it that he gets to have these euphoric, great experiences? He's at a Grateful Dead concert where all he does is laugh for three hours. Like, that's what he remembers. And I am battling goats in Utah and fighting for my life against a six foot seven turkey and tobacco leaves. Like, it is an awful experience. And so I totally, um, you know, projected that anger onto you. I mean, I did. I'll take it. Whatever you need right now, I'm here for you. So that's been my experience for about the last 48 hours. I'm out of it. I will not ever take a pain medication again. Uh, and here we are recording this podcast, and we've got a lot to get through. I do want to say up top, we did not book a guest today for this reason. I didn't know how conscious I would be or how much pain I would be in. So we have a lot to go over, though. You know who we should have booked was Dr. Larry Rink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good guess for the future. We should do that. Yeah. Um, all right. So we've got a lot to go over, but let's start with our good friend, Evan Martin and Community Cars. We spend a lot of time talking about if you're going to buy a car, there's no other place to do it. But let's talk about something specific beyond getting a great deal on a car and a great experience. Let's talk about the event that we all just announced uh, two days ago. Was it two days ago that we announced it? Yeah, I believe it was two days ago that we announced this very special event. There oh, it boy. is. Can there you see it, it? I can. You did all it. All right. We're upping the production value here on our video podcast. You get to meet two very special Indiana basketball newcomers. Jalen Huchifino representing the men's basketball team and Sydney Parrish representing the Indiana women's basketball team are going to be doing a two-hour autograph, selfie, uh, meet-and-greet session at Community Ford Lincoln, 2200 South Walnut, Bloomington, 47401. 2200 South Walnut, it's up, the flyer's up, we're tweeting it out too. But this is this is why we got into one of the legs of our NIL, right? Or was that we could go to businesses and say, do these events to reach out to the community. I really 
I think when most people saw NIL coming and then it arrived, this is what they imagined. This is the quintessential way where you take care uh, of a couple of your players in a way that like helps a local business that gets fans interacting with those players, interacting with the cars. It's it kind of it's an everybody wins situation. Oh, sorry. I was uh, uh, balancing you talking and my dog barking. I don't know how much of that you heard. Uh, ju- just that last bar. Uh, okay. Well, that's good. So, I mean, this is amazing. Jalen hood is maybe the most anticipated basketball recruit that Indiana has had since Romeo Langford, I would say. Um, well, you got Trace because Trace is local, right? So you had yeah, a, a, but a I lot think more... more hype around Jalen and what his immediate impact could be. I think Trace surprised people with what his immediate impact was. Yeah, I guess maybe it just sort of balances out to me because he was the local kid and, and the whole state really knew about him. But I think as we get closer to the season, the, the Jalen hype train is really starting to build as people realize just what showed up from Florida. Also... Meet him while you can. Yeah. Because from all reports, his stay in Bloomington may not be that long. And by the way, that's a good thing. Because if Jalen hood can go to the NBA next year, one, it means he had a hell of a year that upped his stock and got him cemented in the first round. And it probably means that Indiana had a really good year. And it probably means that the narrative that Indiana develops pros and can put them in the first round for high-end prospects, that's a narrative that now has evidence in this staff. Because it was such a huge part of, it is such a huge part of the Woody sell. And what we just offered the number one recruit for 24, 25, is it Malik? 24. Uh, Oh, I thought you were talking about the other kid. uh, It's escaping me, but it just like, the 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 article Rabbi put it out a couple of days ago, but he's like number one. He he just came out in the rankings as the number one point guard. He's like six foot four. He's basically, and he said, um, he referenced Indiana and how he'd been talking. I think with Walsh or maybe it was Kenya and Woody, so people like that. But also when he was talking about Kentucky, he said uh, they do one and dones, and that's what I want to be. That's exactly so if, right. So if he sees Jalen go through that process at Indiana this year, comes in, makes immediate impact, hey, a good season always helps, and then he's drafted straight away into the NBA. Okay, great. Uh, now other guys with that level of, of talent um, will say, yes, that can be my path right through Bloomington. I, I couldn't agree more. And then in addition to that, you have Sydney Parrish. Sydney Parrish, who was a McDonald's High School All-American, she grew up in the state of Indiana. She did go to Oregon, you know, and realized the grass is not always greener at the green grass of Oregon. And she has transferred back to Indiana. One of the most hyped, anticipated women's basketball players. I mean, I, I'm honestly, I don't remember one that was th- this much attention surrounding her coming back to Indiana. It's the prodigal daughter returns. Yes. And, uh, little fun tidbit. I didn't know. Apparently, she's dating Max Christie. She is. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She was with him on draft night, I believe. You know, and it's just like the NBA Pro Day uh, in going into Hoosier hysteria. It's just good to have all this NBA around the programs at IU. Totally agree. So if you're around the Bloomington area, anywhere around it, October 15th, Saturday, 10 a to noon, get there, Community Ford Lincoln, 2200 South Walnut Street. There's going to be food trucks. There's going to be 
Um, you're going to win some prizes. By the way, they may be giving out gas cards, which if you're following the news right now, especially with what OPEC just decided, gas prices could be $400 a gallon by the time <laughs> that, that this happens. So it's going to be a really fun event and a chance to just meet two really special people. We've gotten a chance to meet both, see both in action, up close and personal. These are special people that represent our programs really, really well. So that's that really exciting. That's the thing we got to see during the fantasy experience weekend was how Jalen and Sydney interact with fans, especially the kids. And it's so endearing. You're, you're going to see that. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're a kid at heart and you're just like, wow, I, I, I thought I couldn't love these programs any more than I do, but now I do because the, these are good people. Totally agree. All right, let's move on to another event that we want to promote. As everybody knows, we are in the business of supporting people who support NIL and support IU Athletics. And there is a gentleman, I won't give his name, but he is behind uh, a very cool music festival, uh, food trucks, games that are going to be played, um, and a bunch of live music, which uh, if you know anything about Ward, you know he loves live music. I do. Um, but really cool bands. If you are in the Pittsburgh D.C., West Virginia area, anywhere around there, we want you to be aware of something called Rocktoberfest. Yeah, Bubba. Say that. Go ahead and say it with your best radio voice. Come on down to Rocktoberfest. That's good. That was good. Every time I point to you, I want you to just say that, okay? Okay. All right. So here's what happens at Rocktoberfest. It starts at 1 o'clock goes all the way to 11 o'clock at night. I want you to go to village at blackwater.com. Village at blackwater.com. Village at Blackwater is this all-season concert venue that this gentleman who's an IU guy who supports NIL is behind. He's behind the whole thing. Soon to be a ski resort as well. They've got bands like the Davison Brothers Bands, Stone Senate. It's going to just be an incredibly fun day. Tickets are pretty cheap. It's like 20 bucks for an adult and 10 bucks for children. Uh, go, go to village at blackwater.com for more information. October 15th, if you're looking for something to do, take the family, have a little road trip if you're in the Pittsburgh or D.C. area, anywhere around there, and head out to West Virginia. This I saw pictures online. This village at Blackwater is just an awesome place, and you can come to Rocktoberfest. Saturday, October 15th. Again, this is our way of showing support for the people that are supporting NIL. And this event looks awesome. If we were anywhere there, near there, and if I didn't have a broken damn foot, <laughs> yeah. I would be at Rocktoberfest. Village at Blackwater.com. Village at Blackwater.com. Let me throw this up real quick on our video podcast so everybody can see it. Is there that it working, is. Ward? Yep, looks good. Looks good. So you can see the flyer here. Um, the website is at the bottom if you're watching this on video. If not, again, villageofblackwater.com. We'll send out a tweet about it again. Uh, Saturday, October 15th starts at 1 o'clock. Come on right. down to Rocktoberfest. Awesome. Awesome. Because, like, when you pointed to me the second time, you, you'd set up the beginning of it. So I was sort of, uh, oh, I, I just say Rocktoberfest. I, I wanted another shot at it, the whole thing. Come on down to Rocktoberfest. Saturday, October 15th. Rules and restrictions may apply. <laughs> I don't know. Um, all right. Let's get into sports. Sports. Let's start with IU football. Okay. Well, I'm trying to be measured about this. I really am. You'd be the first. What would you, what would you say? 
you'd be the first. What what was your t- I have some specifics I want to talk about with this game that really bothered me. But what was your take overall on, on the game? What does it make you feel about the program? Uh, I wish we'd played better and I'm depressed. Just succinctly. If you want me to elaborate, I, I just. You know, is, is your enthusiasm for the IU football program waning at this point in the season? Of course. Of yeah. course, because, you know, it, we all know those first games against lesser opponents um, were you, you, you could take them two ways. And as an optimist, I take them in the way I'm going to take them is like, you know what? We're, we're figuring it out. Uh, we made real strong pushes at the end of all these these games. And boom, we're 3-0, and um, and our confidence is high. So that's really going to translate into executing better at the beginning of the games against the better opponents. But it it's just we're so clearly uh, at a different level than a Cincinnati who, who lost seven players to the pros to a Nebraska program that is in constant upheaval, never more so than in recent weeks. And we're still just getting played off the field by the, by the second half. It's like, Oh, we sometimes from the first snap and, and we'll make a, a couple drives at the end of the half. And and look, the parallels with Colts football continue to be remarkable. Like it's just shocking to me that what I see on Sunday is the same thing I just saw on Saturday. And really all I have to be happy about is fantasy football. Right. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. Um, look, I, I love Tom Allen. I know you do too. We love the guy. There, there is not a more authentically passionate, enthusiastic person that has ever existed for Indiana football, which is why I want to grant him every benefit of the doubt. Because I do, my mind does go to, if it doesn't work with Tom Allen, I'm not sure where you go. Yeah. I, I, I do, my, my mind goes to that place because we're not getting Urban Meyer, right? Like, like there's just, there's a whole class of football coaches that aren't even in consideration. It's not like the IU basketball job where you can have flights of fancy for Brad Stevens and Billy Donovan and, and Jay Wright and Tony Bennett and actually convince yourself that there's a realistic path to maybe those guys listening and some of those wouldn't have, but you know what I mean? Yeah. With IU football, that is not the case. And you're either going to just be a stepping stone job for an up and cupper, up and comer like a Kalen DeBoer, you yeah. know, who's showing what he can do. Yeah. Or you're going to be a retread place for a broken down coach like a Jerry DiNardo, you know, like I saw some people mentioning like, I mean, I'm not, I don't even want to talk about it because my mind just goes to a negative place. I love Tom Allen. It needs to work with Tom Allen. It needs to work. Because you but, have this rare combination of what, like, oh, I mean, this guy's from the SEC, you know, before the IU job, a defensive coordinator in the SEC, that's that he's, you're already in getting into the top tier of coaches, but that has that complete 100% eternal dedication to making IU one of those schools rather than a stepping stone. That's exactly right. And we're that guy doesn't exist. Like, there's not 10 of those guys. I don't think there's one of those guys outside of Tom Allen. But there are things about that game, and I admit this, 
you know much more about football and the intricacies of the X's and O's of football than I do. I am a fan of football. I've watched football my whole life, but I don't understand cover two. And, you know, like I just don't get that stuff. I don't understand what Stinger and Husky and I, I don't know what any of that means. Look, I'm like anybody else in that I just watch the ball. <laughs> yeah, but you but know about I'll... the line. You know which position is important. I, I don't, It's hard for me to understand that there's – when somebody explains it to me, I understand why certain tackles are more important than other tackles, you know, but I don't really understand football. Yeah, I, I just I have to watch somebody online doing the all 22 and breaking down what the coverage was. And I'm like, oh, OK. And that's that's cool. But, yeah, it's mostly like, oh, where's the ball? OK, right. but there were four things that I picked out from the game that to me just reek of a program. And this is what kills me about Tom Allen because I love them, but these reek of a program that is undisciplined, has no fundamentals, and is just mentally out to lunch and, and scattered. And here are the four. The first play of the game, we get the kickoff, right? Mm -hmm. It's a touchback. We get the ball. We are in danger of a delay of game penalty, and we called a timeout. Extraordinary. The f I've never seen it before. You have to have known what the play was for like three days now. <laughs> it it and look maybe maybe uh, Bazelak changed the play, but like has Bazelak earned the right to change the first play of the game? And if you're going to change the first play of the game, how do you even come close to it being a delay of game penalty where you have to use up a timeout? It's it's an un in tennis they called unforced errors, right? Correct. This is an unforced error. This has nothing to do, Ward, with the level of talent being different between us and Cincinnati or us in Nebraska or us in Ohio State. This has nothing to do with not getting money the way that other football programs get money or not having a football only locker room. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with discipline and coaching the mental side of the game. And it drives me insane. Well, look, I would think in that situation, it's like here, and, and I don't know what uh, Walt Bell does if, if he has his first couple of drives scripted like some coaches do, um, but usually you have like, okay, here's the play, but if it's a certain defensive coverage we're looking at that is just perfectly uh designed to negate what we're doing here's our here's our audible like that should be locked right. and loaded and it too. should be an easy audible it's like a hand signal that everybody knows on the first play we either do this or that it couldn't have been a surprise to Bazelak coming out of the huddle that that what the play was going to be well and that you're also preparing all week for what that stadium is going to be like. And Nebraska Cornhusker fans, like Steve Dodato said, they are the uh, football equivalent of Indiana basketball fans. Like still a thousand percent in their mind, one of the best programs in the country. And they're going to show up every week to make noise until you you give them evidence to go the other way. And, and Nebraska certainly gave them, well, let's say we we contributed as well to giving Nebraska fans plenty to cheer about. Yes. So that was one play. Second well, but play. Let, let me oh, comment just at, like, I'll just talk about the first offensive series. And again, crazy how similar it is to what's going on with the Colts. When you see the offensive line just like a sieve 
and there's just you're like what uh, like whether it be one-on-one matchups or <clears throat> or what who's supposed to have who but immediately connor or Matt Ryan is under duress. Like by the time the ball gets in their hands, they're surrounded and the pocket is collapsing. You're like, Whoa, we have no chance. Right. Like when no you chance. see that, you're like, there's no way we're going to win this game because of that offensive line's inability to give their quarterback any time or the receivers any time to get separation. But let's also admit, Nebraska's a bad football team. I mean, oh, they yeah. were one and three coming in. They gave us plenty of opportunity to win that game or be in that game to the very end. But here are a few other plays. We don't have to break down each one. But I've seen this multiple times this year for Indiana, where our punt returner takes a fair catch at the five-yard line. What happened to the rule of put your heels on the 10, and if the ball goes over your head, take your chances? Yeah. You know, like, it's probably going to bounce. It's very hard to down a ball within that that. 10-yard window, get away from it and hope that you get a touchback. We don't do that. We had a delay of game after a defensive penalty. There was a defensive penalty called on them. I think it was a 10-yard penalty, maybe even a 15-yard penalty. Plenty of time. The clock resets. Nobody's rushing to the line. And then we have a delay of game and give back five yards. And then we were offsides on a kickoff. (laughs) These things are unforced errors that we are not good enough. We don't have the talent that is good enough to make up for unforced errors. And if I'm Tom Allen, and this is what drives me nuts about this program, there are certain things that are just out of your control. You're not going to get the top 10 offensive lineman or the edge rusher. You're not going to get that right now as a program. So focus on what you can focus on, which is making sure that your team is as disciplined and fundamental as possible That's the mental approach to the game. And he's been there six years. This stuff shouldn't be happening at the regularity that it happens six years in. That's what bothers me the most about this program as a whole, that we can talk about LEO all we want, but the culture is what you show on the field. And we are not showing anything well. Like we're not disciplined. We're not fundamental. And those are the things we could easily be if the coaching was able to communicate it in a clear way that reached the players. It's not. And that to me is as much a part of the people who are ringing the alarm bell that something is wrong with this program. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't disagree with any of it. And then to just like pour salt in the wound because this is this is already where myself and and many Colts fans are at it's like okay who what quarterback can we draft next year it, it, like how how bad do we have to be to tank to get a shot at one of the top guys and you're and and this is what's happening everybody's like okay it's Bryce Young and CJ Stroud right and then who who's the next tier of quarterbacks and it's <laughs> I'm happy for the kid, but it's killing me that Michael Penix is the leading passer in the NCAA. I know. He is lighting it up. And and I think because we all saw it firsthand, the the, the, just being plagued by devastating injuries is going to be a real red flag for a lot of NFL teams. But the way he is balling out up there has him in the the conversation of the first four or five quarterbacks that might get drafted next year. I I can't even bring myself to discuss that. It drives me nuts. I do want to say one other thing. One of the most, maybe the most exciting play of the game was a handoff to Jalen Lucas, 
the the freshman running back who I think just turned 18. He was born in 2004. And he had this move where he went on the edge and made two guys miss in crazy quick moves that just defy logic. Let's just say if I attempted those moves, I mean, both my feet would fall off. Back, Back in surgery. Yeah. So... That was exciting. Then he had another play. It's just so exciting to see this guy who clearly has loads of talent and we've heard about. And in the press conference after the game, what you hear is, yeah, we, you know, from Tom Allen. And again, I love him and I'm rooting for him. But he says, we got to find what, you know, we got to, we got to be creative and find more ways to, to get him the ball. You, you mean like hand it to him? <laughs> what? what do you mean? You're the head coach. Put him in the game. Hand him the freaking ball. What do you mean? The most exciting play of the game was the quarterback said hike and handed it to him. So what are you talking about? We have to find more creative ways. No, just put him in the damn game and give him the ball. I mean, like, this isn't rocket science. It's it's a pretty simple game in that regard. Who Who's the guy who can make other people miss when you give him the rock? And again, this is just, it's so, it's such, it's got to be something in the water, in the proximity. But Naheem Hines is the exact same player up in Indianapolis right now. And Frank Reich is saying the exact same things. We got to figure out how to get him the ball more. Okay, there's two ways you could do that. You could hand it to him or you could throw it to him. And and when like and in this case they're paying the guy four or five million dollars a year now and just just not scheming him in and it's not it's not something where it's like okay uh, either of these players is on the field now and they're assigning two defensive guys to shadow him the whole time it's like no like there's probably a linebacker who's keeping an eye on him and maybe you throw a tight end to throw a block that they don't see coming and and it is maddening and look I. I think it's one of those things for coaches, for Coach Tom Allen. You have so many different people and things to do all week to get ready for the game, to just manage the program. And we're sitting back here in the cheap seats, and we can kind of be like, just just get that guy the ball. Just hand him the ball. But we're not wrong. It's not wrong. We just we we just have the luxury of not worrying about the thousand daily things that need to be checked off the list, and we can just objectively say, well, well, that guy's pretty explosive. Yeah, he's better than the other guys. Uh, <laughs> you gave it to him twice. How about give it to him four times? Like, I mean, just just give it to him more. It, yeah. It's just. And, and I did hear his press conference on Monday where he talked about the problem is substitutions that you can't, the way they run their offense, you can't Fast. put a guy in just for one play. So yeah. he's got to be in there for pass protection and well, yeah, just don't pass protect when he's in. I mean, I don't know. Just, just hand it to him, like toss it to him little, like, like just give him the ball and, <laughs> and see what happens because nothing else is working. I, I do want to just say this before we move on from football. The other thing that does stick in my head, and this is where the optimist side of me comes in, which is not often, that Illinois win that we have is sure as hell looking better. And the Western Kentucky win is looking better. Like, Illinois just boat raced Wisconsin at Wisconsin. We beat Illinois. Western Kentucky, I think they've only lost one game this year. I mean... Illinois got the Wisconsin coach fired. Yeah, I mean, what in the world? So... (laughs) 
we love Tom Allen. We're rooting like hell. Here's the thing. Win three more games. Like, you've got Michigan State, Maryland, Rutgers, and Purdue. Those four are not good football teams. They're not. They may be better than us, but they're not good football teams. If we win three of those four games, we're in a bowl game. So this season is not over by a long shot, but you, he's got to win three football games. Clean it up. They got to clean it up. Um, boy, I I have two two buddies I text with very cordially uh, who are Michigan fans. Oh, boy. And, I, like, boy, oh, boy. As somebody who deep down is kind of hoping Jimmy Ursay makes a run at Captain Comeback uh, mm, in the really? offseason – um, boy, I am so terrified of what that coach and that team is going to do to us. Yeah. I saw a tweet that like, there was some other podcast that did a IU football podcast. And they, they said, uh, the, the caption was like, our guys are blunt today. They really not holding back. And then I listened to the clip and, and the guy said, um, I think this weekend's going to be a really tough game for Indiana to win. Mm, mm. that's blunt hard truth <laughs> yeah wow way to way to speak truth to power um take an unpopular position yeah man i mean they're a clearly much better football team than us and we aren't playing good football right now so it's homecoming it's a big deal and it gives us a good segue to basketball because there's a lot going on with indiana basketball right now the the only last football note is in my two leagues in fantasy I am seven and one so it's this is this is uh, you know look not all is lost I'm sure everybody out there is really happy for you <laughs> um, big news that that hit the Twitter verse yesterday and and all social media and traditional media is that there are real rumors about Indiana and Kentucky renewing the series that has been dormant for a decade basically and uh it's really exciting i mean we want to play those sons of bitches right i mean i don't know how else to say it i don't care where we play them i just want to play them it would um seem that where there is smoke there is fire and it it'll be fun as we we continue to hear whispers and rumors and building up to to whatever announcement may come uh just how passionate we all still are about this series and the fact that we've been deprived of it for so long and the way it was left, you know, and that like the watch shot sort of essentially killed it. Obviously we had a couple of tournament games with them, you know, since then and stuff, but that did that, kill it. Right. That was the last regular yeah. season game. Yeah. That's that, that was, that was too much for Cal. Um, and so that's kind of great, you know, in that way that at, for all the bragging rights, Kentucky has over us for the last couple of decades, you know, it just pisses them off so bad. And I think on, on their fan base's side, that's, that's what they want to get uh, cleansed of their palate. And for us, we want to get back into the conversation with Kentucky and those other blue bloods that say, yeah, we're back, baby. We're back where we're supposed to be. And like this pre pre-conference season with the Kansas and uh, North Carolina and Arizona games. And Xavier. It, yeah. They're not a blue blood. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yep. That's um, I was just saying it's a good game. Yeah. But it's, it's like to be a blue blood, you got to play the other blue bloods and you know, 
you got to beat them sometimes too. So hopefully uh, all indications are headed in the direction of us regaining our, our blue status unquestionably. I would say this. I think people, I saw some people thinking that it would be next year. I would highly doubt that it happens next year. I just think the way these things get put together, Kentucky plays a national schedule, has commitments. Um, I think it would be tough to put it together for next year. But exciting to hear rumors about it and can't wait for more announcements on it. All right. Ward, it's Wednesday. Friday's Hoosier hysteria, baby. (laughs) I mean, we are here. Yeah. G Herbo in Bloomington. Uh, It's super exciting. I mean, I get excited every single year for Hoosier hysteria. I don't care how bad they've been in the past. This one's certain to be better just with the energy of G Herbo in the crowd and And the crowd that's coming to see him. And the optimism of the season itself is going to be the energy. Yeah. And then you add in the number of recruits that are coming and big name recruits. I mean, the the list kind of starts with Flory Badunga, the kid from Kokomo, who originally from Congo by way of Kokomo coming to Bloomington. uh, Look, everybody wants this kid. I think in the most recent rankings that came out, he was ranked fourth, the fourth highest recruit in the country. He's a monster and he is likely a one and done. He's a five star kid. He wants to get to the pros and the people around him want him to get to the pros as quickly as possible. We want him to come to Indiana. It is a complicated recruitment. There are so many people around this recruitment, namely Mark Adams, who runs Indiana elite with Fox and who also runs the a hope program, who has been responsible for bringing dozens of kids from African countries to the States and found them division one scholarship offers, get them an education, get them a chance to live out their dream. Flory's dream is clearly to play in the NBA. That's what everybody wants him to be and get him there as quickly as possible. And there was a little bit of news today that Cincinnati announced that lo and behold, Mark Mm -hmm. Adams son, Drew Adams, who's been an assistant at Bradley worked for Indiana, by the way, in the Crean years, uh, as I think video coordinator uh, was named associate AD for basketball. Uh, at Cincinnati. God, I wonder why they did that. But I do think, look, of course they're doing that because they want an inside track on Flory, but they're also doing that because Drew Adams, when you talk to people, is an up-and-coming assistant coach with tons of connections, especially to Midwest and Indiana kids. So he's recruited well wherever he's gone. Rabbi's been banging the Drew Adams drum for, for years and for good reason, and now here we go. Here we go. We'll see the right time, the right place. And look, Paige just announced for Cincinnati and Mike no, Roberts. I don't think he did. I think that was a rumor. Oh, it was? All I right. don't think well, that was official. But an Edger and James's kid announced for Cincinnati. That That's fun. I love and it. And he's awesome. He's like a top 50 recruit. What Cincinnati is putting together is impressive, man. I mean, they Mike, are building. Mike Roberts has it rolling. Yeah, Mike Boss is rolling. Wes Miller is rolling. Look, they, Cincinnati's had a history of success. Let's not kid ourselves. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Huggy, Huggy was a really, really great coach, charismatic dude. Um, but obviously, that's a long time past now. And, you know, I, I give them credit for but getting Robert. Don't forget McCronin. Oh, y- yes. Sorry. That, that, that A big oversight there. Right. He's doing pretty well, too. Um, but I just wanted to jump to Rob Finnessy coming in there. And when you're trying to establish a culture for your program of, like, a wonderful human being, um, a, 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 a leader, somebody who can lock it down on defense and and hopefully really find his shot this year more consistently. But but Cincinnati's going to take a little bit to build what they're doing. That's just how it is in the first year. 
but man, it, if you're a Bearcat fan right now, and I've got a couple in my life, you got to be feeling pretty good. I, I agree. I'm, I'm a little scared about what they're building because I think they're building something that can compete with us for recruits. Yeah. And when that has not been the case, you know, even when Mick and Huggins were there, they weren't recruiting the same kinds of kids that Indiana is. And Cincinnati is absolutely recruiting the same kids that Indiana is recruiting right now on a national stage. So we will see how that goes. But Hoosier Hysteria, G Herbo, Flory Badunga will be there. Raleigh Burgess will be there. Trent Sisley will be there. Uh, Gabe Cups is going to be there. Ja'Kai Newton, do you have the list in front of you? Yeah, uh, Trey McKinney, 25 guard. Uh, Malachi Moreno, 25 center. Uh, EJ Walker, 25 wing. Um, Jonathan Powell, a 24 guard. Uh, and then Caleb Williams is oh, taking his time. official visit, who's a 24 wing. So I think that you mentioned Gabe and Jakai, right? Yeah. So I think it's like 10 guys that are going to yeah. be there. And like is... all of them, like four or five stars, the 25s, I think those rankings didn't they just come out, but I'm not sure what those guys are. Caleb Williams is a three-star, but, you know, that could change. But, look, these are – you know, we've said it. They have they are – I mean, I feel like we've got an offer out to half of the top 50. Yeah, if we aren't recruiting you in 2024, something's wrong. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, I love that because there are plenty of studs to go around – to the top 10 or 15 programs, which we want to be like, without question, we want to come out of this season, and we all hope for a lot of on-court success this season, and and rolling into next, be like, yep, Indiana's back up into that top tier of programs. So, you know, as the musical chairs plays out, and the, the Dukes and the Kentuckys get their upper echelon guys, there's still a lot of dudes who are going to be available who are less likely to be one and dones. And I think, you know, a perfect example of, of somebody who we hope is going to be in that mold is Malik, right? Where yes. he comes in, he gets to really compete for minutes behind trace and race, and then really step in and be a dominant force in his second year. Like I'm fine. If that's where we're living year to year with the recruits we're bringing in. I, I agree. Look, you can win championships focusing on recruits like 25 to 80. Yeah. You know, I mean, and uh, I, I still think it's going to be very hard for Indiana to pull top 10 recruits if there is not a natural connection to Indiana. Sure. But we've shown with Tamar and Jalen Hood Shafino and Malik Renault when the circumstances fit a certain window for us, we can get those guys. And, and there's the no more reason to think we won't. And the more shots you take, like we are now, then the more likely you are to have the stars align to you. Get you would think we will find out because obviously we've, we've spent a lot of time. The 23 class is just not good enough. They, they missed on 23 and maybe part of that was because they didn't go for enough kids early enough. And, and then there's also the argument of, of coach Woodson potentially just not being that excited about what 23 had to offer. And even nationally speaking, people are like, yeah, it was kind of a down year. So we'll see. We'll see if that, if that yeah. proves out. Yeah, we will see. All right, so let's let's get to the thing we've saved for the end here that we have promoted that we're going to talk about, which is go is a little controversial because it started controversy, 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 <laughs> and that is of course the Dane Fife has been back in the news over the last week or so. I would say because an article came out by Dane's buddy Mike DeCourcy, 
who does a really good job at what he does yeah. and wrote basically a love letter for Dane Fife about his career, where he's at, why he came to Indiana, the circumstances of leaving. And, and I just, I, I want to talk about a few things in this article, but I want to get a few things said off the top. We like Dane. I consider Dane Fife a friend. I know Ward, you consider Dane Fife a friend. I do. And really beyond just being a friend, just one of the most interesting, fun guys to be around, period. I agree. He's entertaining. He's funny. He's thoughtful, uh, sometimes too thoughtful, truthfully. I think he gets lost in his own thoughts, um, but he cares. And and he is, a, he's, he, I, I believe Dane Fife's got a good heart. Yeah. And, and I do believe Dane wanted to do the best he could for Indiana. He wanted the best for Indiana. Um but it didn't work out. So I want to get that out of the way that we like Dane Fife. We consider Dane a friend. That doesn't mean we agree with everything Dane says or does. And I personally, I'm not going to speak for Ward. I'll let Ward speak for himself. I did not agree with Dane even doing this article because it is clear that Mike DeCourcy's only source of information for this article was Dane Fife. Mm -hmm. He did not get the IU athletic department on record. I don't even think he got good background from them because everything was from the Dane perspective, the Dane base of knowledge. And what I would say about this is like, we had all moved on past the Dane situation, which was totally. ugly. We didn't yeah. like it when it happened. It was ugly. It made us sad. The whole thing made us sad. But we had moved on. Dane chose to bring this up again by doing this interview and putting it out there and promoting it on his social media and DeCourcy's making hay about it, doing podcast interviews, talking about it because he knows that Indiana fans would get all worked up about it. So Dane brought this up and I'm, 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 saying all this because I know some people are like, why are you even talking about this? Can't we just let it go? I don't think we would be talking about it if we didn't, one, if Dane didn't bring it up, and two, if we didn't think that some of what was said in that article has the potential to hurt Indiana. And that goes against what Dane has said he wants for Indiana, and and I don't believe he has thought it all through, and I believe some of the things he said that we'll go through hurt Indiana or have the potential to hurt Indiana. And we want to talk about those things because we have some stuff that I think is pertinent to the conversation that are facts that we can talk about, but that's kind of why we're talking about it. Why I wanted to talk about it. Ward, do you want to say anything broad picture? This is why we need the basketball season to start as quickly as possible, because uh, I think, you know, at any time this article drops, it gets some attention, but the, the way it's just really been blown up and churned over and discussed with multiple message board posts and all that, it's because we've got a, a football program that people are starting to really get down on as they look at the schedule coming up basketball season, even with Hoosier hysteria a few days away. It's it, I I'm just like, this is the culture we live in where I think both basketball and football are now 365 days a year. Sure. And man, we are so hungry for anything we can get, especially basketball related in Indiana. I just think it's, it's too bad. This is the most interesting thing people find to talk about right now, because I, I actually, I'm not all that interested in any of it at all. Like I really, 
don't care. And I'll see what arguments you present. We haven't talked about this in depth. I don't think it makes a damn bit of difference for Indiana basketball now or in the future. Well, I, I'm going to say something that that I'm going to reveal some stuff that may change your mind on that. Okay, I'll I'll stay open to it. So let's read. Um, I'm going to read a couple excerpts from the article. I'm going to start with this one. This is when DeCourcy is talking about why did uh, Dane choose to leave Michigan State to come to Indiana for what was viewed as a lateral position. Quote, only Fife left to make what others would consider to be a lateral move. When he accepted an offer from Indiana to join Mike Woodson's nascent staff in March 2021, an offer that contained at least the hint he could be the successor if Woodson follows through on a plan to retire within five years. So let's just focus on that because there's a couple things in there. Now, I want to make clear that is a quote from DeCourcy's article. He is not quoting Dane there, but clearly the information is coming from Dane. So let's take, I want to talk about the latter part of that first. Just to hit on what you said about clearly that information is coming from Dane. I didn't go to the Ernie Pyle School of Journalism. I don't know exactly how you're supposed to play this, but that is, and and I can see where you're going with that damaging already. And I'm, I'm, I'm already feeling you on that for sure. But it's just like, it does seem journalistically irresponsible to put that out there without verifying it from, oh, say, Coach Woodson. Right. Or Scott Dolson or, or Scott. somebody from the department. Now, he did say that they reached out to the department and the department said they couldn't give any details, but they gave this kind of like pat statement from Woody that was like, you know, good luck in your future endeavors to, to Dane. Right. So here's what I'm going to focus on two parts of it. The first part is if Woodson follows through on a plan to retire within five years. Okay, here's what I can say about that. Here's why it bothers me. When I read that, my immediate thought is, we are recruiting kids right now for Woody's fifth year. Trent Sisley and Jalen Harrelson are 2025-26 kids. That's Woody's fifth year. Most people right now think Jalen Harrelson is on the path to be one and done. No one thinks that about Trent Sisley. Mm-hmm. If the guy recruiting you is going to retire at the, in, in five years, if you are a parent or a coach or whatever involved in the recruitment, that would raise your eyebrow potentially to go, is this guy even going to be there for my guy? Okay. I, I, I hear that point, right? No, wait, I let get me finish it. it. Okay. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. That's what bothered me. That was confirmed. I'm not going to give names. But some people around some key recruits reached out to say, what the hell is this? Is he leaving after year five? That's not even a conversation that anybody at Indiana wants to even deal with. And had it not been for this article, no one would be even talking about it. But it raises a question in a recruit's head or the people around a recruit. That is potentially damaging to Indiana and I want to go one step further. Look, it is, Ward. It is. I'll tell you why I don't think it should be. Because you if it you shouldn't be, but it is potentially. Yeah, but but potential and reality are two different things. And if this coach, these this coaching staff are building the kind of relationships you need to land top talent, particularly in state, as we're talking about, but just with any, to think that one article that comes out 
three years, two years before they're they're even supposed to show up on campus. If you can't have that conversation with them and say, no, that's complete bullshit. It's fabricated. There's no truth to it. Don't worry about it. And that family, that recruit, the people in that circle don't believe you and say, no, that that was just that was just an article that was not at all well researched or it's unfounded. Don't worry about it, guys. If you don't have that kind of trust with the family you're recruiting, I mean, you're dead anyway. I think part of that is fair, but I do think that we live in a world where the recruitments for some of these guys are razor thin, the differences between schools. And this article did get notice. DeCourcy has gone on media to talk about it. It got passed around. It made waves on social media. It did cause some people around some recruits to ask the question. And I guarantee you that the coaches recruiting against us are going to say to everyone we're recruiting, the guy's not even going to be there past five years. You part of what you say is absolutely right. Hopefully you can head it off at the pass and have an honest conversation about it and, and move on. But you don't even want to have the conversation if it's not real. And that's where I want to go for the second part of this, which is this is not real. I talked to several people within the athletic department. There has never been a conversation with Mike Woodson or his agent about exiting after five years. There has not been a conversation with Mike Woodson about anything other than the contract that he signed. And the thought internally at Indiana is as long as Indiana is winning at the highest levels and as long as Woody can do it, he's going to be there. So it is factually inaccurate to even put that out there. And so and I believe the people that I talk to about this. And, and to me, that's the truth, right? Knowing you, knowing the sources, it's like, that's the reality we're dealing with. And if that can't be conveyed in a conversation to any recruit, and look, already the the fans have been flamed by uh, IU fans sort of pulling their hair out about it. But I still think it's just this tiny little blip that probably as soon as hopefully this podcast goes out, or certainly by the time Hoosier hysteria happens, it goes away and and that that okay if there's a month or two of fallout of of recruits or their families bringing this up to the coaching staff or anybody around the program they're like total bullshit and say essentially what you just said it should be over and done with i i hope you're right and i just wish we didn't even have to talk about it like i i just wish because i because it's not accurate i think it was irresponsible to put in it was clearly an article that was geared towards dane and now I want to hit the next part. So the, the first part of that statement was that an offer that contained at least the hint he could be the successor if, if Woodson follows through on a plan to retire. So he's saying that there was this hint, right? At least a hint. Now the next expert because excerpt, because these coincide. Fife did think it was important, however, to explain a few things about the mechanics of his arrival and dismissal. Although nothing expansive has been published through conventional media about what led to his departure, there was a suggestion it involved Fife's insistence that he be named head coach in waiting. He declares that not only is this false, but entirely counter to the facts. Quote from Dane, it was offered for that to be written into my contract and I turned it down. Fife told TSN, I can 100%, I can with 100% confidence tell you that happened. All right. So this is where it gets a little tricky because I I don't want to be in a position where we're calling anybody a liar. 
I believe Dane believes that somehow he was offered this head coach in waiting. I also believe unequivocally that was never offered by anyone who could make that offer. And that's Scott Dolson or Stephen Harper, who helps with uh, the lawyer that works at that Scott's number two, that, that helps construct deals. There is no way that this was put into the deal. And while you may say, how do you know that you weren't in the conversations? That is true. But here is what I do know. And I just ask for common sense to take over. When Dane was negotiating his deal, and if you ask Dane and he's honest, he will admit this too. Dane asked to be associate head coach. Indiana told him under, in no uncertain terms, no. Mike Woodson didn't like the idea. Scott Dolson didn't like the idea. The, well, I shouldn't say, I should just say the athletic department didn't like the idea. He was told absolutely not. You are not getting the associate head coach title. What Dane wants you to believe, if you listen to Dane's quote, is they were unwilling to give him a meaningless title, by the way. It has no meaning, associate head coach. We have two associate head coaches right now. Tom Ostrom was associate head coach. What did it matter? A meaningless title that they did not like and absolutely told him in no uncertain terms, no. They were unwilling to do that. But they are willing to put in the contract that five years from now, you become the head coach? It does not even pass the laugh test. It does not pass the basic common sense test. Now, I get it. This article was a PR reclamation project for Dane. And I wish he didn't need to do it. I wish he he felt he didn't need to do it because I don't think he needed to do it. But well, he felt like he needed to do something. Look, I, I think there was a way to do this article uh, to really talk about everything Dane has done and has to offer a program going forward without touching on on either of these, right? I because totally agree. Th th it's it's sort of it becomes in the public space. Uh, he said, he said, you know, and hopefully those who uh, heard what he said on Dane's end can hear this, or somebody will tell them <clears throat> about this, because the athletic department isn't going to come out and you know talk about it in this way. Right. Um, and it's unfortunate because if you remove these elements from it and and you talk about all the positives that that could have helped Dane um, in the public sphere of an AD somewhere else looking at him and thinking about bringing him into the program, uh, you know, what he's doing with AAU right now. There's so much good stuff in there that I do put that on DeCourcy of like, why did you have to go into these murky, controversial waters that only really hurt the whole situation, both potentially IU, which we discussed, but even with Dane, it's like, do we really want to bring somebody in here who's going to like air potentially false, dirty laundry right. uh, if it doesn't work out when we bring them in? I, I agree, which is why it just reeked as somebody who lives in the entertainment business and knows what a PR story are. That's ben. what this was. This was a ben. PR story to try to help Dane to up his um, status, if you will. But I also just want to say one other thing, because I approached it from the Indiana side. So Dane wants you to believe that Indiana did not want to make him associate head coach, but was willing to put in the contract that, uh, so, uh, by the way, a stipulation that they haven't put in any contract for any coach, that he would be the head coach in five years. Okay. He wants you to believe that. On the Dane side of things, he wants you to believe, even though he didn't talk about this, 
he asked for the associate head coach title. But then when was offered, you're going to be the next head coach in five years, said, I don't want it. It just, and, and his reasoning for that is he didn't want Mike Woodson to think that he was there for any other reason than to be Mike Woodson's assistant coach. Come on, man. None of it adds up. None of it fits into just basic common sense. And the only reason it bothers me is because I then read Dane's tweets that he has sent out in the last few days about all I want is a sixth banner for IU. Well, if all you want is to help IU, and Dane and I have had conversations where he has said to me, I really want to help IU. If you really want to help IU, you don't do this article because there is only potential negative stuff that can come from an article like this because you paint Indiana in a corner of, like you said, the he said, he said stuff. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't help Indiana. It doesn't help coalesce the Indiana fan base the way that Dane talked about. All he wanted to do when he came here was to, to coalesce the fan base into one positive unit. And he still says that. This article did not do that. This article and focusing on those things in the article set up an adversarial relationship that does not help do the stated goal that Dane has. That's why it bothered me. That's why I felt like it was at least worth bringing up some of these facts, like the associate head coach thing, that I think are worth talking about. If I didn't think it had any potential, potential negative impact on Indiana, I wouldn't have brought it up, Ward. You may be right that it, in reality, it may not have that. It may not. But I think there is potential. And I don't like when the place that I love, there's mistruths being put out about it. And we're as critical as anybody about Indiana when we think that there's something wrong. I don't think that there was anything wrong on this one. No, I, I think, and and I several posters on Peak said this, like, uh, we'd moved on, you know, and that, that this just... I don't think there's any, this is not like coach Knight being fired. This is not where like, as much as we all love and enjoy and are rooting for Dane to succeed, it's not like it's fractured the fan base. And some people are just like, no, I'm team Dane. Right. And, and I'm going to be rooting for him against IU. So again, I, I think there's no potential damage or fallout in that regard. Oh, um, Lord, what, I'm going to push back just a little bit. I agree with you. It's not Bob Knight getting fired. I mean, it's not, it's not even in the same stratosphere. But go to Peaks, and if you go through Dane message board posts, you will find a, a minority, for sure, of people who are in the Dane camp who use the Dane firing to question Woody's acumen as a head coach. And, but, and, but I and it's not a big about... number, but there is some of that. And this just fling, in, it just gives oxygen. Yeah, I guess, but I feel like it's 1% of 1% of Indiana fans who are are louder than their their counterparts. Maybe, maybe. And I just fair. I think it's the off season and people are looking for something to bitch about. Maybe, maybe. Again, I don't want to look for something to bitch about when I think that there's potential harm for Indiana. I think it's worth discussing, especially when the article written by a, I'm using air quotes, journalist, does not give the entire story, which this one did not do. This one was a one-sided profile piece on Dane Fife. Yeah, and, 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 and I kind of respect DeCourcy for like helping a friend out, like because I think that's what this was. And I genuinely like Dane and want him to do well. I want him to coach somewhere and be successful. I love his family. I've met 
hung out with him and his wife and love Blair and their kids. But if you're going to come out and talk and lay kind of like these, like these pseudo facts out and not give them all, and they don't stand up under the, the, the scrutiny of common sense, then I'm going to say something. And that's what I'm doing. Well, there it is. You think he'll ever talk to me again? Yeah, sure. He gets I mean, it. I do love the guy. Yeah, he loves love you the guy. too. Yeah. No, I, 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 I and think... I did give him a heads up. I did tell him, Dane, we're going to talk about this, and you know, basically implied, you know, we're just going to talk about it. Like I, I didn't tell him what we would say, but well, I wanted him to know we weren't ignoring. You, nobody puts this out into the world and and a and plans on or even expects nobody to talk about it. Right. You know? That's and, why and, you put it out. Yeah. And so we're, this is our take. And I think we can, hopefully this is like, okay, this is the other side of the story, if you will. And now everybody can judge for themselves based on the information you've provided, what was in that article. And let's all get hyped for G Herbo now. (laughs) (laughs) We should play out with a G Herbo song. Okay. Yeah. I'll get PSD. A P PTSD. Sure. Yeah, make sure you put the explicit side on our <laughs> on this podcast. All right. Well, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But, but uh, sometimes. sometimes By the way, we didn't talk this week, but I think we got to do like a podcast with Sydney Parrish or somebody from the women's team soon because I am excited about this team. It's going to be a totally different, high level team this year. Well, you know, I saw that they're second, third in the Big Ten projections, and it is with the monster that Coach Morin has built and with the reloading of the roster this year, um, I think it's it's such a wonderful indication of where that program is at. And all the more shocking that in year two, Coach Woodson is the absolute universal favorite to win the Big Ten. Yeah. I, I love that that the the men's turnaround has been so dramatic and so fast. And now you're looking at both programs in the conversation for Big Ten championships. And and I do believe the women are going to take it this year. Look, when you lose Allie Patberg, Alexa Goulbe, and Nicole Cardano Hillary, three workhorse starters for you. And you're still the next year picked to finish second or third in the Big Ten. And Grace and Mackenzie, I just saw, got named to the uh, All Big Ten team, right? Yeah, yeah. Grace like, was that your, is uh, that is the definition of a healthy program. Yep. Yeah. It is. It is. The basketball season can't get here soon enough. I also think Chloe Moore McNeil, breakout star candidate for the team. She's the most athletic on the team. She came into her own, her own a lot last year when McKenzie went out with the injury. And they had to play differently, and she really found her outside shot. Three ball shooting this year for Indiana is going to be fun to watch. They've got some women on this team that chuck it. So well, and I'm I do excited. love that with Chloe in terms of how much run she has gotten. That that it it'll probably take a few games, hopefully against lesser opponents for the team to gel on the floor. But knowing you have somebody like that coming back along with, with grace and McKenzie, obviously that you have, 
you already have three out there that really know each other and what coach Morin wants. It's that's how, that's how you can reload and keep rolling is that there is some consistency from year to year, because while you have these, these studs in the starting five, you've got a rotation going on. Like we mentioned with Malik earlier, hopefully he gets some good run this year. So if it's his time to shine next year, it's like, Oh, okay. It's, it's not a, a new experiment. Let's throw this new kid on the court and see what they got. It's like, Nope. Now, now they're ready to take over the starter minutes. I completely agree. I mean, we are weeks away, man. We are weeks away from this thing starting. We also may have an announcement coming up soon about the North Carolina game at Indiana that could benefit NIL and benefit some lucky fans that could be massive. I can't wait. That, I mean, like, it's, it's about that game. I don't want people thinking I'm talking about it's changing the face of Indiana basketball. It's for that game. It could be pretty cool. So stay tuned. Uh, stay tuned. We'll see you next week. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.